God, I love that intro. We are back, boys, and uh, back and better than ever after the final day of the Con Expo trade show. Paul, tell the people how great it was. I think we need to start with how great that intro song is. I love it. I'm telling you, I, I'm I'm now at the point where I think every episode needs to start with new '80s <laughs> ba- rock ballads, yeah, or '90s ballads from you know hit hit shows, whatever. Yeah, like this is how we should be starting every episode. We need some unique mm-hmm. uh, intro music, is what we've established. I'm loving. I'm loving yeah. it. Well, we're okay. talking about doing unique ad reads from now on. Let's mm-hmm. do uh, unique intro music. Speaking of unique ad reads, Joey Bell, we missed you out there in Vegas. Maybe next time. How was everything back at home? You good? Everything's good. Um, my boy had surgery this past Tuesday, and he's home. He got home on Saturday, so we're all settled in. Um, everybody's doing good down here. Well, good to, good to hear. Glad everything's good on the home front. We missed you out there in Vegas, but you were absent for, for a great purpose, um, so we completely understand that. But uh, you were probably the only person that didn't make it out to Vegas for the Con Expo. <laughs> It was it was just as full, if not more full than we had anticipated. I've never seen Vegas that busy. The uh, Uber drivers we had, they said the only shows they've seen bigger than that ever were SEMA, mm-hmm. which is the big car show, and CES, mm-hmm. the big electronic show. He said that's, those are the only two shows he's seen bigger than that one. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, um, I got some stats for you guys. Uh, of the 2.7 million square feet of exhibit space, they sold out. Yeah, I know we walked wow. all of it, dude. Yeah. Did the which, which hall was it that had JCB and all those guys in it? South, I think. South Hall. Yeah, because yeah. it, okay. it had the the two levels. Yeah, yeah, it had two levels. All right, didn't know that. Number one, that there were two levels of the South Hall, and uh, we, we were going through the front, and we uh, we had an appointment with JCB, and they said, the lady was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah just uh, go in over there on the left, and then uh, about three quarters of the way down." And yeah, we, we went and we started walking, and walking, <laughs> and walking, and you're like, "Where?" She said three quarters. Have we, dude? We've been walking for like ten minutes. <laughs> like, we we got like thirty or forty yards away from the booth, and Paul started to have second gut thoughts. He was like, "Man, we had to have missed it." <laughs> and forget how big those convention halls are, man. Absolutely massive. And then you had to think to yourself, like, "Wow, there's one right underneath us, like in the same building." Yeah. There's a first floor too, and then not to mention North, Central, West. It was absolutely uh, flooded with people, flooded with booths, flooded with technology. Uh, I felt bad for the equipment boys, dude. Outside, the first day was cold, uh, way colder than you're used to Vegas being in March. I mean, it was like 40s. And then the next day was uh, away in rain. Mm -hmm. And then the next day was windy. We had like 20-mile-an-hour sustained winds with 30-mile-an-hour gusts. Just There was nobody outside. Yeah, Joe, it was about as bad as it was when we were out there for World of Concrete. And as you can attest, it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, it was cold, colder than you would expect, like you all said earlier, for out in Vegas. It's crazy. you getting down into March, and it's even colder, it sounds like, and rain and wind and everything else. Well, the rain was surprising. We didn't see the sunshine for like the first three days we were there. I yeah. can't remember the last time. So normally, World of Concrete's in January, February, back in the past. Mm-hmm. And we, I remember it was almost always in like the 60s and then in february yeah. you're expecting 70s if not high 70s in february yep mm-hmm. yep but so halfway through wednesday and thursday was was much nicer and dang near everybody was outside on thursday cuz it was by far the best day weather wise but um but yeah so uh 2400 exhibitors sold out the sold out the spaces uh final attendance was just north of 139,000 good Golly. god yeah up up a little bit over six percent 
of the 2020 numbers, and that was total attendees that registered. Most of those, some of those attendees didn't go. As as we well, then how many registered at the show? Is that count people that registered at the show? Yes, then? yeah, one thirty nine is registered. Gotcha. I got wow. I got that number about a couple hours ago, so that was final numbers. Do y'all remember how many people went to World of Concrete? I think we talked about it. Do y'all remember yep. off the top of your head? It was in the thirties, thirty seven thousand, really? I think. Yeah, thirty seven thousand, and this this had a hundred and thirty nine thousand. Let me tell you how many people the National Wild Turkey Federation convention had at its convention. It had 67,000 people at that thing. Mm-hmm. That's why I was curious at the amount of people at World of Concrete. So yeah, uh, yeah. turkeys drew twice as many people as, as World of Concrete. but Probably some of the same guys. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Uh, but like we talked about before, there were so many people that opted out of World of Concrete to come to Con Ag. So that may, that may have something to do with it. And they were there. What was really surprising is like the number of people that we just stopped. We just saw like in the hallways. Like we we're walking between booths, not in the hallways, but in the uh, like the walkways. And you're yeah. running into people you know, and you're like, whoa, hold on. You know, it amount a hundred thousand people, and you're just running in over and over, running into people we know. So that was kind of fun seeing so many people out there, seeing so many people at the airport. Even I mean, it's just it was busy, man. It was busy. It was wild. But I didn't know there was that many. That number's really high because I think. Uh, last time I looked, like the SEMA show was like 125,000, and mm-hmm. in the electronic show, CES was like 150 or maybe even 200. I mean, it's big, Golly. really, really big. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that guy was right. This is right up there with the top of, top of the shows. But yeah, so 139,000 attendees. Uh, as I was researching uh, numbers to bring to the podcast here, I did find that the equipment manufacturing industry in North America supports 2.35 million jobs in the U.S. Wow! Oh, wow! It, it comprises like eleven percent of all manufacturing jobs. Oh, that's Ooh. fantastic! In our country, which is nice, yeah. Especially considering, I mean, there's basically every large car manufacturer has at least one major plant somewhere in the country. Yeah, making that's something. Fair. So, yeah, mm-hmm. bodes well for the uh, for the concrete and uh, construction manufacturing industry. What well, were some things kind of stood out at the uh, at ConAg? Was there kind of an overall or or one significant theme or I hate to like rehash stuff that we already talked about on our other one, but I, I think I'd have to go back to the engine technology. When you mm-hmm. went into the South Hall, uh, you had a lot of equipment manufacturers that were in there that were like the engine type of guys, Komatsu, JCB, like these type of folks. And they were all touting hybrid engines. They were of the sense that, you know, we have an electric engine, we have a diesel engine, but really – a hybrid engine is going to be the way to go. And, the you know, Josh wanted to toot his own horn the whole time we were there because in past episodes of the show, he managed to say he thinks that hybrid engines are going to be where it's at. And, buddy, was he proven right. A lot of guys were um, touting a diesel-electric hybrid. And then the emerging technology is hydrogen. But the hydrogen isn't necessarily clean hydrogen yet. Yeah. And then there's a lot of infrastructure issues not dissimilar to electric charging stations. There's just not enough places to get the hydrogen. Mm. So hydrogen is a feasible option, but it's on the horizon. And basically the manufacturers are ready and they're waiting for the infrastructure to catch up. And then at the same time, simultaneously, uh, people like Perkins and uh, Kubota and Cat, Cat, and I mean, they're, they're, all, they're all manufacturing these diesel-electric hybrids. Well, Joey Bell, we challenged the Con Expo to do a better job and improve the process of getting your credentials in the first place, and they mm-hmm. succeeded. Very good. 
Get this, get this though. And there's a cool story behind this. There was a kiosk set up at the baggage claim area of the Las Vegas airport where you could get your Con Expo bag before you even got to the show. Wow. That's genius. I mean, it makes total sense, too, because y'all just said 130-something thousand people Mm -hmm. can't have those dudes or have those people just lined up out every building on site there. Because, you know, if if they're anything like the, uh, the lines that we saw at World of Concrete that snaked throughout the building i couldn't imagine what the con ag lines would look like they had 12 different sites you could get your back your badges and seven of them were basically like right there at the convention in westgate and there were lines like before the thing opened right there were lines Mm -hmm. but the minute they opened the doors they had you crowd in there it was so smooth i mean it went so fast there were so many employees working it. I mean, yeah it they so had that thing staffed wow. like a chick-fil-a that's right <laughs> that's probably who they got to run everything around there this time <laughs> they're like man we caught so much crap that world of concrete we're gonna have to get some some real workers in here and they yeah. called up chick-fil-a to come run everything probably yeah and and our, our colleague was at the airport well he told us this story so this is, i'm telling you this third hand but he was like, yeah, I was going through the airport, and there's a line of people there in the airport. And I was like, man, what's everybody waiting around for? Because it's past midnight. I see, like, oh, it's, it, I could get my badge here. I was like, I'm not waiting in line for that. And then he gets to the show the next day, and you just see these massive long lines going around the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, were, we, were at breakfast, we were at breakfast, and he was like, hey, that, that line going out the business, was like a building, that was like those thousands of people in that line. He's like, is that where I go to get my badge? We're like, yeah, I don't know where you're getting your badge. We're going to the media tent. <laughs> you chose <Yeah>. poorly. <laughs> yeah. Turned turned out though that uh, the media had to, you know, file in with all, all the common folk anyway. But they yeah. had it. It was so smooth. We ran it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah we ran. It was crazy. It was perfectly fun. That's awesome. Was there um, was there anything that you guys saw that kind of just made you shake your head? Like, why? Why is this person here? What? What are they trying to do? Oh, man, that's a good question. The reason I asked that question is uh, over on the, the other podcast that I'm a part of for turkey hunting, we were talking about the NWTF convention, and that question got brought up about what was some off-the-wall thing that was at the convention. And at the NWTF convention, it was a guy selling uh, gutters and, like, gutter, like the gutter guards or whatever. Oh, like, what? that guy was, like... Yeah, he was selling like gutters and gutter guard, you know, to keep leaves and stuff from getting in your gutters. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the guys that I talked to, they said, you know, when they walked by the booth, you know, about end of day two or so, like he was getting, I don't know if he was just getting desperate or he just realized exactly who was at the show because th- this gutter guy was like, where do you want to be come turkey season? Do you want to be turkey hunting or do you want to be cleaning out your gutters? <laughs> <laughs> But that was just hilarious, and I don't know. It just made me think of uh, what would be a conag that was that would be something like that. Did Cat have their ginormous exhibit this year, like they always do? Oh yeah, I'd say you had a giant exhibit, uh, John Deere. Really? Yeah, John Deere, and theirs was theirs was outside. They had an entire like grid walkway system in their booth. Their booth outside was so large, and they took up so much space. They had the equipment that they were, uh, you know, presenting on, like, this raised platform and it had gravel and stuff in it. And then there was actual, like, wooden walkways that made a grid in between the gravel areas for people to walk around. And they were climbing on equipment and everything like that. But it had to be, 
I want to say like 50 by 50 yards, like 50 mm-hmm. yards long or 50 yards square. And it was, it was substantial. And they probably yeah. had two dozen pieces of equipment there. And of course, like, um, like the mobile unit set up, um, like booth area where they have conference tables and stuff inside. It was like their whole, their whole little section. It was amazing. Yeah. They had the, the concrete plants and crushers and whatever else set up out, out in the lot. Yep, bunch of that cranes and lift buckets and telehandlers and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you could you could see the outdoor exhibit space from like ten blocks away because it was <laughs> st- stuck up eighty foot in the air. Yeah, those pumps. They, I think I, they had the pumps, or they used to have the pumps out there, and you'd see those things craned out all over the place. And they yeah. do that inside too. I forget exactly mm-hmm. which halls had those super tall ceilings, but they have those things in there. Yeah, Central Hall. Yep, man. Yeah, they had uh, they didn't. I think one booth had uh, like a concrete, a small concrete plant, like erected mm-hmm. inside the yeah. <laughs> inside the central yeah, mobile unit. <laughs> yeah, wow. I tell you what, my my biggest takeaway from all this is perhaps this is a little unique in the sense of like you don't know what you got till it's gone, and they try to make everyone live in seclusion for a couple of years, and now people like want to do anything but be in seclusion. But something that stuck out to me was just face to face interactions, like face to face marketing face-to-face selling, face-to-face networking. It's not dead. It's not a thing of the past. It's still something people want to do, and I think it's going to continue to be something you have to do in order to put yourself ahead above other competition in your industry. You still need the face-to-face interaction, in my opinion. Well, we've we've said that with Actigel, you know, for years now. Like, we, we have to go see people, and it showed when we couldn't go see people. You can't sell concrete stuff behind the desk not yeah. in not not in my opinion anyway yep yep no I, I agree with that and as and as much as online warehouses and you know things of that nature as much as you can buy online with a click of a mouse you still got to go talk to people and, and look at stuff so these these conventions and these expos like conag and and others that are just like it they're still super necessary for the industry well, especially ConAg with equipment and huge, you know, products like that. Like, where else would you be able to go and shop for concrete plants or shop for bulldozers, loaders, dump trucks, all that stuff? Like, it would if you did that outside of ConAg, if you really wanted to go get your hands on, like, new stuff, you'd probably just have to go visit where they're manufactured or you'd have to yeah. find somewhere, you know, in the region that, somebody that's using that equipment already. But if you're looking for brand new stuff, I mean, ConAg's a place. Just go in there with a, a shopping list and a handful of million dollars uh, hmm. and go equipment shopping. Yeah, briefcase full of money. Well, and even if you were on used stuff, uh, Richie Brothers Auctions was there too, so. Yeah. Yep, they were. Well, and, and you know, we'll, we'll see how feasible it is for some of these corporations when we go to the next one in 2026 because, I mean, it is necessary and there were a ton of people there. But, you know, we'll let, we'll let the businesses and the companies let us know what their ROI is depending on who comes back and what their boosts look like because just talking to people within the industry, and I'm not going to quote any specific figures here because that's not my place and I don't want to misspeak, but it is salty, salty to exhibit out there in Vegas. just mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't stop at the booth. If you want internet, that costs more money than you, than I'd, than I'd want to admit here on the podcast. If you want, 
you know, outlets, if you want carpet, if you want stuff installed. The, if you I, want I remember back in the day when we had a booth, we wanted a flat screen TV, like a 42 inch, nothing crazy, 42 inch flat screen TV to play a movie. And we're, oh, we, we can just go get this at Best Buy. It was like 150 bucks to buy it at Best Buy. But nope, you had to rent it. Mm-hmm. You had to rent it from the union, and it was like $200 to rent it for yeah. the five days. From the union guy. Oh, and then you get to pay him to put it up because you can't put it up mm-hmm. or run it yourself. Hey, but I want to give people some credit. So majority of the booths, Joey, you'll appreciate this. As a guy who's had to attend to a booth for an entire week, eight hours a day, almost every booth I think that we saw, they all had the plush thick carpet oh, yeah. on the bottom. And oh, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that, like, that sounds like a dumb thing to be excited about as <laughs> if you're listening to this and you've never worked a booth at a trade no. show. <laughs> but it is real tempting as a booth uh, owner to like go for the cheap, thin carpet with no padding because the price is mm-hmm. like basically free. Yeah. And then when, when you start upgrading the padding, it gets really expensive when you got a big booth. And almost every booth had the thick, nice padding. I think that goes back to what Josh was saying. It's like, you don't know what you have till it's gone. <laughs> and everybody's been gone so long. You're like, they're like, dude, look, we messed this through. We're not going to not get the, <laughs> the good carpet. <laughs> that stuff makes a difference, man. And just walking, like what you guys did, walking around on concrete all day long. Did uh, Did you hear how many steps we did? Well, how many steps did we do that uh, first day? was? Um, we were over 20,000 steps on the first day. Yeah. What do you got? You got some stats for us there, Joshua? Well, yeah. The th- of the three days we were out there, the easiest day was 18,000 okay. steps for us, and the uh, longest day was 26,800 steps for us. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some real numbers, Joey. I remember you used to come back with, you know, 14,000 and thought you were doing something. I just, Here we go. I just want you to know that those are what real numbers look like. Okay. Ends ends up being just over ten miles, and our easiest day was uh, almost eight miles. Yeah, is that from your? uh, Is that from your phone, or do you have like a Garmin or Fitbit? No, it's just just from my phone. I can't wear anything on my wrists, man. I don't like those. I I I can appreciate the benefit and functionality of those Apple watches and stuff. I just don't like wearing stuff. I don't like the functionality of it. It's so distracting to me. But we've talked about this before, where. I turned off almost all my alerts. Like, I'm working, and like, I'll be doing something. I'm like, man, I ain't gotten an email in, like, an hour. And I go, look, like, oh, yeah, I got tons of emails. Did you physically have to refresh it? <laughs> physic- well, no, I, don't, I don't have to refresh it, but it's not telling me they got an email. Gotcha. I, have to go, I have to go look. Gotcha. But, like, I'm, it's not like I'm off, like, in fantasy land waiting on someone to send me an email so I can do something. So it actually allows me to focus on my work. And then when I finish whatever I'm working on, I'm like, all right, let's go see what came through so I can get started on the next project. Works a lot really well for me, but uh, it's really hard to silence that on an Apple Watch. I don't even know if you can, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can, I but you uh, but like constantly, just text after text after message after message, personal emails, work emails, ding, 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 ding. It's, I hate I, it. It drives me bananas. How much uh, tech and stuff was there in regards to all this equipment? Like World of Concrete had all kinds of tech for – uh, contractors and concrete and finishing concrete uh, and all that stuff. It's technically a tech item. I would say that over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of GPS tracking implementation software and hardware and such. Uh, the integration of the GPS technology has been much improved. It used to be, you know, you would you would stick this on your equipment or your trucks, and it would let you know where guys were. 
um, and it would you know coincide with uh, a map or you know Google Maps on a database, and you could pull it up on your computer, or whatever. But man. These days, your GPS tracking equipment is so well integrated and can give you so much information. Uh, the The GPS tracking systems that they have now actually plug into your vehicle where you would plug in a diagnostic tool. It plugs in and it gives you diagnostic information. It gives you runtime. It gives you efficiency data. It, it gives you all types of information that that is fairly new for GPS tracking devices. And then on top of that, they make smaller devices. You can put on equipment as small as like small gas engine stuff, like a generator or um, a tiller or, you know, a post hole digger. You can put GPS tracking on all of that stuff and know where your stuff is, how long it's been running, when the last time it ran, and and all of that information just comes back to you completely seamless within an app on your phone and, like, that has happened in a very short amount of time. It reminded me of uh, Apple AirTags for large equipment pieces. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, same exact <laughs> concept. Same exact concept. It's it's wild. And it was only a couple of years ago everyone made their own like you know GPS stuff, but it didn't really tell you anything. Now it tells you everything you want to know and then some. Well, how many guys do we know that are in like the Amazon building world or you know there are all these portable plants and they have a lay down yard somewhere? And it's like, what is what's in that lay down yard exactly? Or uh, we we know a couple places like there's a job we're on right now with our product that they've got two concrete plants set up there, but they brought the second one in later because they didn't have anywhere to put it. And they mm-hmm. didn't want to take it to the lay down yard because they thought they might need it in that same region. And the lay down yard's three states away, and uh, so they they're just propping it up. But being keeping track of that these uh, these giant Apple Air Tags, I say giant, they're like the shape of a hockey puck, but big <laughs> compared to an Air Tag. But yeah, I mean, you put those on that type of equipment, realize where it's at. It was a pretty cool invention. It almost seems, uh, it almost seems like too simple. Like, oh, I'll just stick this thing on there, and I just know exactly where that thing is at. It's all oh, you know where it's at, and, and it's, you know if it's ran. That that well, that's the other yeah. thing that makes it different from an air tag. It's not just where is it. It's all. It also mm-hmm. tells you did it run, how many hours did it run, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was pretty simple. Well, there's an interview we actually did uh, with a company, and they're. You know, their line of GPS trackers actually spawned out of necessity, not even necessarily a general idea. Um, And we see acquisitions happen all the time. You know, companies buying other companies. Well, when you purchase their assets, one, you got to figure out what you have. And two, you have to categorize it and store it and remember that you even have it. And in this particular example, they started keeping better track of their stuff because they ran into situations where a lot of times they were renting stuff that they didn't that they owned but didn't know they had. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah. So, you, like, you're renting yeah. a generator, but you didn't realize you actually have a generator that's <laughs> not being used, sitting somewhere, and it would have been cheaper just to, you know, wheel that joker out to the, yeah, out to the site. But because you didn't have a, an accurate accounting for what you had and where it was, yeah, they were renting stuff they already owned. Yep. You do that a few times. Those GPS trackers actually pay for themselves after after a few rentals you didn't have to rent. But yeah, man, that, that's what I saw. GPS trackers were were everywhere. The uh, engine technology was cool to see because I mean everyone was pretty much on the on the exact same wavelength. They're like, yeah, electric is cool, but it's not for everybody. It's not for everything. We have an electric motor if you want to put it on something, but we realize it's it's just not feasible for the entire industry to go electric. Yeah, and like we met, mentioned in one of our other wrap up videos, I think another cool thing was we would talk about like where we're going to get all the lithium for all these battery technologies. Well, that actually is a problem for another industry, and that's the lubricant industry, that 
the grease guys, those are lithium-based greases that we're greasing up a lot of this equipment with. And they're like, well, they're going to get, they're afraid they're going to get cut off, that they're going to, there's going to be a priority to supply that lithium to the battery technology folks, and they're going to take it out of the grease market. And so they're having to reformulate uh, their top selling greases. Wow. And then uh, also, it's funny, I'll just say this quick, because it's not a big deal, but it's something that I thought was pretty comical, is when you go to an international show such as this, the the companies, the colors, the logos, the marketing materials. It got us twice. It all changes. Twice, back to back. We couldn't find the people we were looking for. (laughs) We were looking for Kubota, and we're literally standing in their booth looking for them because we were looking for the big orange Kubota banner, exactly what we expect their tractors to look like. And uh, but it wasn't. It was like this uh, creamy ocean blue kind of color. And we asked them. We said, "Well, is this what color the engine division is?" And they just laughed. They said, "No, we rebranded our company thirty years ago, and this was the color that it became. And we were just afraid that the wussies in the United <laughs> States would freak out if we changed the color of our tractor. So you only have orange tractors in the United States. Everywhere else, this is blue color. He's only paraphrasing by a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that just means we're elite, okay? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. And there's a few other rooms, too. And also with the acquisitions and stuff like that, like the, the Grace, Creso whatever else they have under oh, yeah. that Saint, banner. Saint Gobain. Saint Gobain, yeah. Bought Creso and uh, and Grace. So we were looking for the Creso booth, but couldn't find it because the colors were wrong. Grace's colors were wrong. It was the Saint Gobain color. Oh, but I do want to say real back, real quick, back to the tractors, um, Kubota. They had a second booth. I did see that. Yeah. They had an orange Kubota tractor booth. They had an orange booth. Kubota tractor booth. <laughs> so they did have one, but the, the corporate folks were at the engine ba- booth, and it was this weird blue color I'd never seen before. Yep. What was the swag situation like out there? Like, we had some good swag. Limited. You bring up a great point, Joey. I wanted to note that. Like, there was a few giveaways here and there, but there wasn't, like, a mass amount of people walking around with Piggly Wiggly bags full of stuff that you'll you'll never use or, like, give to kids. Like, your, your stress balls and your pens and your notepads and, like, all that stuff was down considerably. The best one we saw was Bridgestone. Bridgestone was handing out legit hats, legit golf balls not like the cheap golf balls they actually had multiple different levels of golf balls so if you were like you know you wanted the the comp if you're hitting pro v1s they had the comp to that and but they also had like the lower end balls they had those out there as well and bridgestone had a like a a driving simulator seeing who could hit the longest drive and i i I was like really excited to to do that and then i saw the longest drive was 339 yards (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just not gonna hurt my back today. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna get what I need to get done here, and we're gonna leave. Somebody happy Gilmore won in that thing. <laughs> they said the guy was a long drive competitor, and I was like, yeah, I bet. 339 yards. That's like elite, uh, top point, 0.1% of all golfers. It's wow. crazy. Yeah. Here's uh, here's another question. In three years, when the next one rolls around. What do you think will be kind of? Do you have any guesses of what kind of the theme would be, or or the reoccurring item, or whatever that you'll see? Like you said, it was hybrid engines and you know things like that this year. What do you think the next one's going to be? I think the next big one's going to be artificial intelligence. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Yep, wow. I think artificial intelligence, whether it's uh, mixed designs, uh, data for how to run your operation more efficiently, whether it's mapping out the area that you're working on, whether it somehow gets integrated with machinery in some way, 
uh, I think AI is going to be the next big thing three years from now. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's wow. a great point. We're already, I say we, the industry is already using AI um, for efficiencies that weren't otherwise possible, and it's and it's very, it's very much in its infancy. Yeah, and, and if if the folks listening to this know anything about AI, a lot of times you hear AI ML. ML stands for machine learning. Your artificial intelligence algorithms are only as good as the data you feed it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to machine learning, it needs so many reps to really understand what it's doing and start to become predictive. So in that in that sense, machine learning can advance you know, leaps and bounds in three years' time as long as you're feeding it the right data. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, speaking of uh, artificial intelligence and having machines do things that humans could, right now it is, they are driven by humans. Eventually, one day, it, it might be driven by AI. But, Joey, we finally took the Tesla loop. Ah, uh, yeah. So you, I'm, you and I saw that at World of Concrete, but I think the, the benefit for that loop was to go from, like, the west to the south hall. That would have been, like, a huge, huge yeah. hall. Yeah, well, and now that they had the west hall open... That mm-hmm. that's why we did it because since right. we and we had to go from south to west, so that made it much more feasible. I mean, if you're just going from north to central or whatever, don't mm-hmm. even worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it was funny the way he was saying that it was like he was understating. Like that's like a, more than a mile long. Yeah. And what's crazy <laughs> yeah. is like the South Hall. Like when you're approaching um, the convention center, you actually hit the west first when you're coming yeah. from the strip. So not from Westgate, but when you're coming from the strip, the you actually hit the West Hall first. The South Hall is in the very back. So we we walked all the way to the South Hall, and then we needed to get back to the West and then get back to the South. And so you're talking 30 minutes there, to at least 20 minutes, maybe yeah. even 30 minutes walk to the West Hall and then 30 minutes walk back. It's a one-minute Tesla tunnel ride, or what they call it, the loop. Wow. Yeah, yeah, one-minute drive in the loop, and it was actually – it was actually really cool. How fast did those things go? Like when those uh, drivers got underground, was they were moving, I thought they were moving pretty quick through that tunnel, as, as narrow as everything was. I think the I think the uh, cars were actually on autopilot in the tunnel. I think it was manual when it got like toward the end because they said it was kind of like semi-auto mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. like semi-autonomous. I think because like when it uh, when you first got in that tunnel, it was like the accelerator kicked in on the and it was and I couldn't tell was it. Am I feeling this accelerator because it's an electric car and there, you know, there's no delay. The torque is just instant, or is it that this car just took over? And and as you were going through the tunnel, you could see all the little white nodes on the side that were probably the thing that the lidar was picking up to tell it where to stay in the lane because it was booking through that tunnel. I felt like yeah, no, it made hmm. quick work of it. Um, I, it I didn't see the speedometer, so it would be tough for me to guess. It's also your perceptions way off because you're in this yeah. tunnel. And there's like lights and stuff. They make it look kind of Tronish and, and cool, but uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's possible I, we were only going forty miles an hour, but once you got <laughs> once you got in the tunnel, it felt like you you were getting yeah. you were yeah. getting after it. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't think that they were going too slow, so they got that going for them. And if Josh is saying that, then you know we <laughs> we were going fast enough. He yeah. barely had time to get his phone out and do a Snapchat. I did. I did have to. Yeah, I did have to be basic and put it on Snapchat for my for my <laughs> friends, but I did do that. Um, hey, that's I'm, how you got to communicate with women these days, bro. That's where they is. are, so you got to do it. I I'm not begrudging you. It definitely is. I'm excited to see that project at its completion. I mean, the the Vegas Loop is step one of that project. Eventually, there's going to be 50 total stops within the Vegas Loop. You're going to use an app on your phone just like you're calling an Uber. Um, and it's going to go to the Legion Stadium where the Raiders play, various stops on the Strip. It's going to go out to the airport, which is clutch. 
Yes. And, um, I mean, it, it's just going to make travel around Vegas so much more efficient. I'm excited for it to finally get to completion in about three to five years. I took an, air, uh, an Uber ride to the airport at 3.45 a.m. It only took 15 minutes. So if you guys are looking to save some time <laughs> getting to it from the airport, the uh, really, really Fly out at 5.30. Fly out at 5.30. By the way, I know everybody loves airport talk on a podcast. The line to check your bag at 4 a.m at that airport was absolutely bonkers. I bet. Absolutely insane, the line wow. to check your bag. I heard somebody behind me on an escalator, and they were like, yeah, last time we were here, we took out took the 5.30 flight out or whatever it was, They're like, and we got here at 4 o'clock, and we missed our flight mm. because they were marveling wow. at how long the line was to check your bag. And they're like, we, we're not checking our bags. They're like, either we're not checking bags, we're not taking the early flight because apparently everybody had the same idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. dang. Well... Hopefully everybody made it back safe and sound and with their bags, um, and that'll put a wrap on the Con Expo show for this year. Uh, appreciate everybody, you know, tuning into these wrap up videos, and we hope you enjoy it. Uh, extra content as it pertains to the Con Expo is um, booth interviews and booth tours that we did out there. We did about a half a dozen here at Con Expo, and they're exactly like the format that we did for the World of Concrete, where we are bringing emerging and interesting technology and uh, and what the uh, and what the industry has to offer to you guys. Uh, we will have edited YouTube videos, and we'll be sharing those links on our social pages, such as LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and and such. And we do the same thing for all of our regular podcast episodes as well. So if you haven't done so already, go and check us out on all of our social media pages. We appreciate you uh, listening to this episode. Subscribe to us. Tell a friend about us. Give us a five-star rating and review. It all helps, and we really appreciate it. And until next time, we'll see you all back here on the Add 10 Gallons Concrete Podcast.